0: The Women of Color STEM Conference presents FinTech, The Challenge, a professional development seminar featuring IT Product Systems Chief Architect for the Boeing Company, Prem Chaco, Vice President of J.P. Morgan Chase Company, Kim Wilson, and Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer for Fifth Third Bank, Stephanie Smith. Technology is changing the way we do business while affecting every aspect of society, from the government to private firms. With ubiquitous smartphones and data stored in the cloud, the financial landscape has not been emitted from technology's reach. The business world and the financial realm have reached a critical point, with cyber hackers breaching corporate and government firewalls to gain access to privileged information wipe out bank accounts, or hold government and financial institutions hostage. Many companies are embracing technologies, such as blockchain-based systems, which offer exponential opportunities to companies as well as clients. It can also add new risks that include financial instability and loss of profits. This challenge for the fintech industries will become a major concern for consumers when it comes to protecting customer accounts, developing creative security measures, and installing effective processes for better protection while increasing customer satisfaction. Without further ado, the Women of Color STEM Conference presents FinTech The Challenge. Featuring Prem Chaco, Kim Wilson, and Stephanie Smith.
1: So we're going to go ahead and get started for the sake of time. Make sure we allow the opportunity for everyone to ask questions if they have questions after we're done. So thank you all for joining. My name is Kim Wilson. As I shared with you before, I'm with J.P. Morgan Chase. Um, I actually support the organization for Global Identity Access Management that falls under cybersecurity technology and controls. Um, this is my first time at the conference, so I'm very excited to be here and see everyone. Um, I have two amazing individuals on my panel with me, so I'll let them introduce themselves. So and tell you who they are and what they do.
2: Okay, hello, and welcome to the Women of Color Conference. I hope everyone's energized because this is going to be a jam-packed weekend. You're going to meet so many people. It's an exciting time. I'm a past uh, winner, alumni in 2012, and I come back, and I just enjoy the conference. Every year I come back. So. Uh, Just call me uh, addicted to the conference, but (laughs) I love it. Uh, So my name is Prem Chaco. I'm with the Boeing company. I am the IT product systems chief architect. So if you think about all of the engineering, manufacturing, sales support, um, all of the fundamental functional areas that it takes to, to think about IT architecture and the applications that set that stage for us to create aircraft and operate them, Um, I'm leading that IT architecture effort. So thank you for being here. Hello, my name is
3: uh, Stephanie Smith. I'm with Fifth Third Bank. I'm the chief inclusion and diversity officer for the bank. Um, But about 80% of my career has been a line of business. Um, So I was a commercial relationship manager working with companies between 20
2: million and a half billion
3: dollars. I did that for several years, and then I worked with companies from uh, 2 million to 20 million and then finally ended on the babies from birth to $1 million. So when BC is talking about PCI compliance and cybersecurity, those things become very real um, for small businesses because sometimes they cannot um, afford or are unaware of the impact that technology can have on their company. So looking forward to uh, the conversation with you all today. I think it's been very robust so far.
1: It has. So we're going to continue kind of talking through some of the stuff that we just finished talking about that's related to financial technology, right? And what the challenges are behind the smartphones and all of this new jazzy stuff, right, that we have that we may not say we love, but we really do. Um, And what does that look like for us long term, right? We're going to be moving things into the cloud. How is that going to impact us? right, if we are used to doing things with a human being and we're gonna remove that human interactive piece and bring in the application app to app, what does that look like for us and how do we get there? So I have a couple questions that I'd like to ask the ladies and you guys feel free if you have some information that you'd like to share, please do, it's very informal. Um, So for both of my panelists, how has financial technology changed in the past five years? And then the second part of that is, what do you think will happen in the next five to 10? Right? So think about where we were and where we've come to and then what we're looking to do moving forward. So I'll start with you. Yeah.
2: yeah, so I know this is based on fi- financial tech, but I'm also going to give a perspective that's outside. So I'm looking at the manufacturing engineering side. So um, so with that, I want to ask, has anybody heard about the term Fourth Industrial Revolution? Maybe a couple of people or have read the book by Klaus. I think it's a very fundamental. Great book to look up and read. So if you think about the first industrial revolution, we're talking about mechanical power, you know, et cetera, steam engines. Second industrial revolution, mass production. Third industrial revolution, we finally get electronics and get more of that uh, computer information-based systems type approach. And now we're on the fourth industrial revolution. We're on the cusp of it. So when I say fourth industrial revolution, what I'm talking about is we're marrying the physical, the digital, and the biomechanics together. So all of these things that we envision seeing in cartoons, if you've seen the Jetsons or back in the day when, when somebody spoke spoken to their watch and that was a crazy far-fetched idea, it's reality now, right? You have Fitbits, you have iPhones that you wear every day. I think that's the pivotal point where we're at now is we're going through that cusp of the fourth industrial revolution. So if it's financial, if it's any other parts of industry, how are we marrying all of that digital thread across whatever your business process is with those technology enablers like mobile, like cloud, like blockchain, so you name it. It's how do we integrate all of those things to to how we drive our business. So for to me, uh, when I think about that, we're in a very exciting time So it's like, how do we really drive and transform our business with those things in mind? So that's why I'd leave it there.
3: I know that one of the things that we talk about is that over the next two years, we're gonna have more innovation than we've had over the last decade. And when you think about your cell phone, by the time you buy it, it's out of date. I think that the biggest challenge is the security. Cybersecurity is the number one challenge we face with FinTech, period. Um, because, quite honestly, uh, those counterintelligence are working on solutions to hack and to break as fast as we're looking to stop them from hacking and breaking. So I think this will be an ongoing issue um, as we're looking to and shall expand um, our efforts in the fintech space. We've purchased about 14 companies. Also, second to cybersecurity and jointly tied is trust. Um, The financial services sector is built on trust who can you trust with your money? And so one of the things we're finding in the FinTech space where they are struggling a bit, a lot of them are equity firms, started with venture capital firms. They don't have the long history relationship of a J.P. Morgan Chase or of a Boeing or of a Fifth Third that's 165 years. And so you're starting to see a lot more partnerships between FinTech companies uh, working with older firms because they've learned that they cannot swim that way alone. I heard someone talking about Protecting elders, elder abuse is one of the verticals that we actually focus on. So not only we're constantly targeting things for the millennials, but we have to target multi multi-gener- generational solutions. So I think cybersecurity, trust, and being able to effectively allow all generations to navigate, we have five in our workforce, um, is going to be the challenge, um, is the village going forward.
1: Agreed. And I, I just want to kind of you know, reiterate on some of that and kind of share some insight from the JP Morgan side, right? So, our organization was Global Identity Access and Management. We were our own kind of entity. Um, and about two years ago, they actually rolled us up under cybersecurity and technology controls because everything we do is related to the access in the firm. So they begin then understanding we can't treat them separately. We've got to merge them together because what we're talking about is not just the access within our space, but more importantly, the access outside of our space. So it will continue to evolve and it will continue to change. We just have to make sure that we're asking the right questions and that we're bringing in the right people when we get ready to start talking to the solutions.
3: And I think lastly, um, Kim, is small business. Small business is the backbone of this country, but ill-prepared for the onslaught and the sophistication of today's hackers. How can we collaborate and share our cybersecurity knowledge more broadly with small businesses? I think it's going to be the challenge, not only small businesses, but with individuals as you were sharing. We need to get this out to the masses in a more efficient and robust manner. Agreed,
1: agreed. Um, So Prem, this question is for you. Mm -hmm. In your particular organization, what do you think is the biggest challenge for your type of industry? At the
2: moment. Sure. I think um, this is applicable again for myself and I think other industries. I think it's the biggest challenge is culture. I mean, we read about it quite a bit, all types of articles. I think it's coming into that growth mindset of changing our culture. Because I think all companies are, like I said, they're going through a transformation. And you think about current business processes, you think about the hundreds of applications that are running our businesses now, all companies are moving to large-scale systems which means you're gonna to have to change your business process which means you're not going to use the same applications anymore which means you're gonna have a whole set of different ways of looking at things which drives a change in culture because everyone is a creature of habit and it's so difficult to change that mindset so when you ask somebody like FinTech whether it's an application you're gonna do your banking by cloud and phone, and you're going to manage all your expenses this way. Well, I used to have a ledger book that I used to write everything down in. Oh my gosh, that's so hard to fathom, right? Same thing with the engineering world. I used to look at my CAD drawings and I used to draw it out. Okay, everything's going to be now 3D. How do I deal with that, internalize it, and deal with that new way of processing? I think the second challenge is data. There is so much data out there, whether it's legacy, within your industry and new data that you're creating, right? All the new data that's built on these new systems, whether they're more high tech, AR, VR, 3D data, you name it, right? How are we going to reconcile old data and new data? Right, because there is so much rich, richness in old data. It tells a story. It tells us a lot about our companies. It tells us a lot about our business processes. So to me, that's the biggest challenge, is how do we take that data and give us more insightful views to make better decisions or have more empathy on what we're going to change with our business process? So to me, that's the second big challenge I would say that we're all facing in the industry.
3: I agree. Our internal... Um process is going to an agile workforce, and that means thinking outside of the box. We've totally changed our internal workspace, and we'll probably be doing that over the next five to seven years, removing people from offices and putting in places where they can speak and talk and collaborate more seamlessly, uh, and I've gotten rid of all my paper, which I can't stand. The old banker in me is assured that someone from 2008 is going to say, you messed up. And so I want to I have that email that says, no, I think I told you. And believe me, I've had to do that. Um, So I think agile is really important. And as the chief inclusion and diversity officer, I want to tell you, inclusion and diversity is the key to solving a lot of these issues. We've got to have different representation in these conversations because at the end of the day the people in this room are going to be the majority uh, around 2050 so if we don't have you in the room solving for us uh, then we are not going to come up with the solutions that can get down and drive to the result that the individuals facing when someone has taken all the money out of their account. What I would last say is that at the end of the day, it's all about delivering to our customer. We are not-for-profit organizations. Um, I'm sure that what BC has delivered to Visa has delivered bottom line results. So she's like, just give me back at least 5% of what I just made you. So what we understand is that whereas we're looking for these solutions, as we're working and partnering in the communities with employees that look like those communities, we are going to get better, faster, stronger and at the end of the day that's what it's all about those people that are open to different we're saying now when we're filling positions we're looking like for like creatives because you heard bc talk about we're building personas i mean that's like not banking we didn't build personas the guys wore white shirts and the women wore black and brown dresses and that's how we came out. It's not that way anymore. Uh, We are dealing with individuals who are bringing their authentic selves to work. If they can't do that, then they're not free to help us solve for our customers. At the end of the day, all of this has to drive to the bottom line. And so that's why we need more agile thinking, more creative thinking, and different people type of thinking.
1: The diversity piece becomes critically important. Critically important. So, Um, I think to your point, right, the persona piece of it, we are building that out right now as I speak. Um, We're trying to make that same kind of transition from four access um, tools that we're using to one. We are trying to reduce the 7.9 million entitlements that we certify every quarter to 1.4. And how do you do that? You have to create the roles for those folks, right? We've never done that before. We're an organization over 260,000 people. Um, and you may have individuals that have the same title, but my role and my job and the access that I need to do it is completely different than yours. We have to build all of that out, right? So the agile piece becomes critically important because we do not have the time to sit and map it all out. We, we don't. If we do that, we're gonna be light years behind everybody else, okay? Um, so let's talk about the effects that we believe social media has had on financial technology. Yeah. And I give this to Stephanie and Prem because I do not have a Facebook account. I think LinkedIn is all I do. I, I just, I don't have time for that, it's a lot. Too, it's too much going on. But I will let these ladies give you their insight <laughs> on what that looks like and feels like.
2: Well, I'll stock, uh, talk in generalities. Um, so, so social media, I think, has a more of an influence than we've ever thought before. It affects stock prices, it affects, Uh, how people perceive brands it affects every single thing we touch because as soon as someone sends a tweet about something guess what the whole morale of the brand goes down or if something happened you know that ripple effect is immense right so every little step we take when we actually communicate is very important I think that's what's very onerous on the companies now because as they handle situations you got to really think about how you're you're answering that question, how you're showing up, how are you receiving the inputs back, right? It has to be very calculated because every little thing we say can be misinterpreted in many different ways. Um, I will say this, I think most companies have taken a big step in having actually departments and communications dedicated to just handling social media because they know the importance of it and the impact, not just from a corporate branding, but from a financial standpoint. So I would not take this lightly. I think there's probably gonna even be more of an importance as we move forward in the next five years. So be cognizant for yourself too, with your own personal branding, right? How do you show up? What's your reputation? I think there's even companies now that uh, pay to help you improve your reputation or vice versa right so take these things seriously
3: yes prim is absolutely right i do Mm -hmm. not have facebook but yes i do have linkedin and yes i did text prim and say could she send me a picture of bc that i can post to my linkedin account Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) because it was a great presentation Mm -hmm. um at the end of the day this is very real and and it got really real for me when i received from our marketing marketing department Mm -hmm. my profile and how many uh, likes and comments I drive. It was about 3.1 million. I don't even talk to anybody. I'm like, where did that come from? And they actually had a dollar amount associated with it as to what it would cost them to replicate the advertising they were getting off of one person. It was $246,000. I said, I want that for everybody on my team and how can I drive that, right? Because that is the reach Um, that we, as individual employees, we are bringing our own brand to these organizations. And that says a lot when you're a woman of color and when the executives can't get that type of reach and we're not really working on it. What happens, ladies, if we actually work on it? So this is serious, it's real, and it can be beneficial for you and for your organization. We are now entering into a stage where we're investing more in LinkedIn, where they're going to give us, they're going to make us all experts. They're going to provide us with content we can send that out, we don't have to write it ourselves, it'll be pre-packaged. I mean, social media is everything. We did a whole learning map experience where we took all 18,000 then, before our merger, uh, employees through our our vision for our future with a look at the financial crisis. And what we said in in that experience Uh, which I was one of the facilitators is we are no longer being compared to uh, our industry and to our peers, U.S. Bank, PNC. Uh, We are being compared to people's last best social uh, social experience, Mm -hmm. social media experience. So what we said is that here's Amazon, here's Starbucks, here's Costco. Oh, no, there's Fifth Third Bank. At the end of the day, you're one click away of having a debacle and ruining your name. So social media is real, and if we're not watching it, um, all I have to say is, President of the United States of America, it doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, he's tweeting, and it is impacting things. That is what social media is today. It's an international tool that can either bring us together or it can divide us, and we can be the authors of bringing us
1: together. With regards to our organization, right, we actually about a year and a half ago were given the verbiage that we could put in our LinkedIn profiles. Um, Because we had individuals, um, to show you how savvy people are, looking at profiles from our organization and identifying that this individual has access to this particular application or this particular line of business and hacking into and giving real names to people so you're like, oh, okay. we well, yeah, I know him. No worries, right? So we literally had to go back, and if we were going to keep our LinkedIn profile active, they actually gave us the ruby to put in there, and it's crafted. So it's the exact same thing for every single person. Mm-hmm. So you don't know who we are and what we do, um, and the reason behind that is because people had figured out Kim Wilson does this. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to ping him and tell him Kim Wilson said. So they're like, oh, ahead, know her. No worries. Now you've given them access to things that you know they would not normally have. So. It's a very real situation. Yes? It does, And because here's the thing, guys, right? The technology piece of it, we can't remove ourselves for that particular situation, right? We can't kind of block ourselves in and, and, and say we won't do it or we can't do it. Um, there is a way for us to do it, right? But we give you this. This is what you will see on our company homepage. This is what you would see on our financial statement, right? It's that statement. It's It's public, and so whatever that particular piece is, we can put in our space, but we don't necessarily have to tell you, my day-to-day job is I move this to this, or I transfer this to that, or I manage this team, right? We don't wanna take us out of one of the most critical pieces of who we are, right? Which is the technology space.
2: I think this is where we have to be fundamentally prepared for all those things that you just talked about. Be anticipative. right? So if you know you're gonna have this much amount of data and there's so much richness to it, put an analytics layer. Tell me more insights about what's important and that goes back to the agile mindset. Get the persona based outcomes so you're not trying to solve 100 problems but you're trying to solve a very focused problem on the data, right? I think that's the problem sometimes. We end up looking at all kinds of data but we don't really know what we're really searching for. If I told you, oh, the persona really wants this, guess what? You're going to have a better success in focusing in on exactly what problem you're trying to solve, right? So I think if you haven't had agile training, believe me, I think everyone should go ahead and do that (laughs) because it's so important and it's such a strong skill set to have no matter what industry you're in, right? It's just going to benefit you tremendously.
3: I also think that when you look at, and you heard um, Prem mention Mm. growth mindset. Growth mindset is literally this, whether or not you approach issues with a fixed, I can't change perspective, or whether you're open to continuous learning. At the end of the day, whether we like it or not, it's continuous learning. Your phone is gonna, it's a throwaway phone. It's going to die on you in two years, I would have said two years ago, now I would say probably nine months. So, change is in front of us and I think BC alerted to that. We have to be open to change if we're going to stay relevant. When we changed all of our internal systems and went to Windows 10, I was losing emails, I was dropping appointments, it was a mess. I said, oh well, we changing. So, I told the people, guess what y'all, we changing. So I didn't get that email. It is going to happen, but it's how it is. What is our mindset? Because this is going to impact all of us and those that embrace it Mm -hmm. then have an opportunity to then mold it and shape it. But for those who resist, resistance is futile and we will be outside (laughs) of the box, not able to influence, not able to impact Mm -hmm. and not able to make a difference.
1: And we have to be realistic, right? We are not going to solve for every possible solution. Because there are some that we don't even know exist right now, right? But think through the personas. Who are we focused on? Are we building a persona for our external customers? Are we building a persona for our internal customers? Are we building a persona for our competitors, right? And then think about it from that magnitude. But if we think we're gonna, we just have to sit down and figure this all out from start to finish, it's not, that's not realistic. That's
0: exactly right. Mm-hmm. right? You're listening to FinTech, The Challenge. Featuring Prem Chaco, Kim Wilson, and Stephanie Smith. Brought to you by the Women of Color STEM Conference. Uniting women in STEM by continuing the press for progress. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
1: So her question was, just in case you guys weren't able to hear, so for the diversity and inclusion piece of it, right, and the individuals that we're looking for, how do we expect that to change when we're asking the same questions from start to finish, right? If we're looking for those innovators and those changers and those change agents, right, we can't ask the same questions. Um, For our space, um, specifically for my line of business, we are starting a diversity and inclusion initiative where we are going to work with our recruiters and we are going to identify exactly what it is that we're looking for within this particular space. Um, Whether it's the app developer, whether it's the application owner, whether it's the developer, um, we are going to be working with the recruiters to identify specifically those individuals, and we are going to be looking to hold actual networking sessions that we do right now um, in our space that are specific to blacks and Hispanics, that are specific to a particular role that we are looking for in the organization. Um, We have to be creative about what that looks like. Um, It will take all of us in here to be a part of those initiatives in your space. So if they aren't there, create one so that we can go and get the right people that need to be a part of this next journey that we are going to partake in. But the the key is, guys, we, we have to keep moving, right? We can't stop
2: yes and i'll go ahead and add something here because this is very important we're here at this conference because we're representing women of color in stem right and i think it goes back to going back to your organizations and challenging them because a lot of times they say oh well i couldn't fill this position because i didn't see a diverse set of candidates right very just you know push your companies to go out to conferences like this you can hire that pipeline so it won't be really any more reasons why they can't do it right it goes back to diversity and inclusion those are the best high performing teams making sure that there is a pipeline coming to your companies to fulfill those positions right and then to add to that women of color in stem need to be supported in those positions so it's not just hiring them and saying okay we did it no it's going back helping them support them in their roles giving them mentors and getting them advocacy in their jobs because guess what? It's not just a hiring thing; it's actually a nurturing thing. So, to me, it's a bigger, uh, onerous thing on back on us that we need to accomplish, even leaving this conference.
4: I mean,
3: that's a great that's a great question. Um, and what I will tell you that um, you know, I was fortunate to be named into this role after taking over supplier diversity and increasing the spend in four years by a thousand percent. At the end of the day it is challenging and so I've just presented to the board for the first time six bold goals and one specifically tied to the representation of women and persons of color so you have to have courage because the first thing people will tell you is how the heck do you think I got condolences good luck Stephanie it's been nice knowing you so whenever you're in proximity to different you have to have the courage of your convictions and you have to tell people what you're gonna do and then you collaborate with people to get it done there are many people in our organizations that are sharp they can't do your job but they can contribute and I think that's what Kim and Prim are saying I didn't do that by myself I did that collaborating internally and externally in our communities and with people that cared on the line of business and made investments that didn't come under supplier diversity that benefited it now from an inclusion and diversity perspective, I'm giving five years, a year to lay the plan. You have to be realistic. These companies didn't arrive here um, in a day. Give yourself the time to make the goal. So when everyone left the room, I turned to our multi-million-dollar consultant. I said, now I'm going to tell you this. I'm not paying for your glasses. They're really cute. At the end of the day, I told him what my metrics were. And I asked him to give me case studies to show where he had moved the dial for the 33 of 100 He deals with the Fortune 100, right? Show me the case studies that said that in three years you moved the workforce. Because if you haven't, I'm not giving you a dime. So we have to hold people accountable as we hold ourselves accountable. But at the end of the day, it's a challenging lift, it's a hard lift, and I don't believe anyone's necessarily winning but I believe that we're starting, and to Prem and Kim's point, we need everyone in this room to collaborate in this area. There is no competition in in inclusion and diversity. There just isn't. We can can all do that piece together, and if we're willing to do it together, then we can do it and get it done.
1: Any other questions, guys? I'm sorry, I didn't see your hand, I apologize.
4: Um, I was just thinking about um, when she mentioned you know, her question and then kind of the answers that you guys provided. Um, When you're looking for these candidates or these diverse groups of people, are you um, looking outside of just what their resume is saying or stating that, hey, they have this set of skill sets or whatever, um, how it can, how you can utilize it within your, your company and how you can pull, you know, that individual in to get the best out of them when, when they come into your company. So I'm thinking about it this way. Many times when you think of um, minorities in different industries, especially like in our industry, uh, they may not have the background experience, but we all know in any job you take, any position you take, you're gonna have to do some learning. So what are we doing or what are, what are you doing at your companies to, um, engage those individuals and get them in and have some form of something to, as she mentioned, mentorship or something to get them on the, on the, um, the fast
1: track so they can so, be at the same pace mm-hmm. as their peers, if, so, if they're not. So for the JP Morgan piece of it, guys, um, we we do, um, we go to our talent, we go to our employees, we give you a referral bonus. People like money. You bring us a top talent, we're going to give you some money, right? Start there that's one of the first places to start um but to your point we need to then understand what is it that we're looking for right we have people in our teams that can tell us exactly what's needed i may not know but if i have three people on my team that do you come to that networking event right i need you to send me names we'll call them we'll ask them to come in we will tell them a little bit about who we are and what we do What does your resume look like? Have recruiters present for those type of networking events? We have a list of uh, open opportunities. What does that look like? How do we get you through the door? But we start with our employees within the firm, right? Go through the referral bonus. Bring in people that are like you.
2: So I'll, I'll add to that. So if we think about diversity inclusion, think about the current teams you're on now. Does everyone look the same? Does everyone think the same? Does everyone have the same number of years of experience? Do we have a mixture of gender? Do we have all of that? And assess your teams, right? And the way I look at it, when I look at a team, this is a personal recent experience, I was looking for a UX designer, right? So lots of great candidates, um, but I was looking at my team and say, what's the gap here? What, What do I do not have from a diversity inclusion standpoint? Had lots of people that had various amounts of experience age, gender, generational, look at all the facets of D&I. And then a couple of candidates came up, one was very, like had so much UX experience, very, you know, looked great on paper, like you were saying. Another candidate had come from the film industry, didn't have a lot of IT experience, but guess what? I thought he's gonna be a great fit because he comes with a different perspective that is gonna add to the beauty of that team and guess what, he was the one that I actually went with, because now he's bringing a new set of lens to the table of looking at problems and solutions that the rest of the team probably would have never thought of, right? So it goes back to challenging your teams, challenging who you work with to think differently and to, to again, that pipeline, go seek out people that you would not necessarily leverage, right? because they may have the new ideas that you have never thought of.
3: I'm not going to add to that. That was well done. That was a 10. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I would say is that in the 22 years I've been at Fifth Third, this is my eighth position. I've been very entrepreneurial in- about my position and I agree that um, I had no supply chain experience as the Director of Supplier Diversity. I have no HR experience. What I do have is a brain. What I am is innovative. What I am is creative. We've all had personal and professional life experiences that qualify us for these jobs. Because at the end of the day, it's about results. And if you can deliver results, you're the person for the job. When I read Lean In, I was very impressed, because I have four brothers. And what it says, the research shows that women, when they move to a new position, they want to have 100% of the skills. Then they say, men 160, I will say 25.
1: And we'll figure out right? the
3: rest. Listen up, ladies. We'll figure out the rest. I tell people if you're going, if there's growth and development in the role, then you hear BC, she has mastered this in two and a half years because she took a risk on herself. She could have stayed here. Take a risk on yourself. Don't listen to what people have to say. Look at the job and see if you measure up against it. If you do, you go for it because I'm proof that we can. BC's proof.
1: I am certainly proof. I did proprietary education for 20 several years. And (laughs) (laughs) I caught myself. Um, And I was like, um, that was kind of going away. And I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I'm not kidding you. When I went to the interview for the J.P. Morgan job, I walked away of I was like, what are you going to be doing? I'm like, I have no idea. (laughs) It sounds good, so we'll see what happens. And I've been there five years. But it, it it really is. It's transferable skills, guys. It's the same stuff that we've done in other jobs. It's just called a different word here, but it's the same thing, right? It's training financial aid officers, or it's training app developers. At the end of the day, it's training. So you approach it the exact same way, right? But you you have to take that risk. You have to. I would rather I would rather do that for myself because I know what I'll bring to the table. Yes.
5: I've been l- reading a lot about white privilege and mm.
1: uh,
5: seeing it, and we're talking about diversity and inclusion, and, and, and um, we're really preaching to the choir as far as we know we can make it, and we know what we have is to offer and that we can deliver the bottom line, but at the results at the bottom line. How do you, at your position, convince those who don't look like us that they aren't losing, and that there is because that's the way they see it. They they kind of sometimes well, what I read. They see that if we do have to have a, a diverse pool, then who are why are you taking it away from me? So how do you uh, address that at your level and uh, and above? Because um, I know that if it's if it doesn't come from the top down, it really not going to be any change in any place. So if a vice president doesn't have any um, thing to lose, why should that, or, or it's not part of his scorecard or what have you, why should that be
1: part of his um, drive forward? No, that's a, that's a valid question. So from, from our perspective, and I have a young, a young lady here who can vouch for that, um, it comes from our CEO. It starts with him. He's made it abundantly clear on multiple occasions that this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. We have advancing black leaders. We have advancing black pathways. I'm sure there's a couple more that I probably have missed out on. But to your point, it starts there. So me, I'm going to take advantage of all that. And I just say, well, Jamie said mm-hmm. we should do this. Yeah. And Jamie wrote on Thursday about this piece, right? You, um, what if will, it's no you will find it.
5: What if there right, is no James, that's right?
1: That's, yeah, yeah. That's it and so yeah that i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you Uh my answer after after so while while we're
3: waiting on the queen bc to answer (laughs) i'm gonna (laughs) say a little bit about that um you know read the art of war that'll really help you the reality is is that we are not here because we haven't been challenged and our ceo certainly wasn't on board with any of it um but when you have the expertise the ability the fortitude the courage and the skills and most of it being communication and collaboration and you're getting results that they want then after five years they turn around they say will you take this because the market is going towards diversity and inclusion period everybody knows Prem already said we already know they make more money by 2050 there's not going to be any majority all of them know it but are we prepared to show them the value proposition to the organization. When I present to the board, I start with the business case that diverse companies in three years are 33% more profitable. In three years, they make 2.3 times and, and, and passive and active workers are looking, millennials are, I just go with the data, roll them over with the data and put them in the fryer. At the end of the day, that moves them. And so a lot of times we do try to say, it's a nice thing to do, but if we're not backing up with the data about our bottom line and how it impacts our bottom line, then we're not going to continue to hold on to them. And that's how we get some of these other things we've seen, but
6: it's a great question. Uh, um, I, I agree. It is, is a great question. And what you say is, is true, it's reality. There are are people who see it as a zero sum game and if you win, that means I lose. Um, So all these things, there's a lot of similar realities like that in the world. So this has been my approach and, and it's been learned over time. So as I said earlier, you know, there's this, you know, we handle our families at home and then we come in, we try to do, we do the best that we can. And, and, and you know, as long as no one was treating us badly, we just kind of just plug a chug and go along. Well, this is the thing. Um, I think you mentioned having a brand. So here's the brand. I am, whomever I am, I can do X, Y, Z. I will be more than happy to do it for you, as long as there's a mutual beneficial um, agreement in this relationship. And I will be more than happy to do it for someone else if they will pay me more. And so the thing is, and I'm not trying to say this is easy. It's just do not accept these realities to make ourselves victims in this, all right? We say, I'm a brand, this is what I am, Mm mm-hmm. You not with this? No fight. I'm just gonna find someone else who is with it and I'm gonna take advantage. And I think that's how we have to approach it. I do not suggest that that is an easy approach, but I say have confidence in yourself and what you do and build on that. So while you're like ignoring me, I'm gonna just build my brand over here. You are gonna lose, but hey. And you know, and go with that. That That's just me.
2: Yeah, and to add great point, PC, I would say this is where the advocate in your career is so important because they can support you and speak behind closed doors about your brand. And once you get to that next step, you bring others along the way, right? I think all of us up here on the stage have had great advocates to believe in us, to get us into the spot now. Now we turn around and do the same thing for others because otherwise we're still, not, we're still gonna see the gaps, right? Unless we also do our part as well.
1: So we'll do one more question guys and then I think we are right. gonna be out of time. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll do, 2 We'll do, two. Sorry.
6: On a personal note, to get to where you are takes a lot of self-awareness, and I know that was a journey. How and when did you notice your self-awareness come to light? How did you discover the things you needed to work on to elevate you to where you are?
1: I'm still a work in progress.
2: You know, it's interesting, uh, we actually had a a quick conversation and breakfast about this same topic, about why is the bar, bar higher? Not only if you're in a STEM professional industry, not only do you have to do one degree, you might have to do two degrees, or you may have to be part of five associations versus one, and you may have to have three jobs instead of one. So I think this is something where we have to iterate and get a little better at because we have to like show up even more so, right, to to be there at the table. It goes back to those things that we were talking about. Um, and, and it goes back to building our brand and getting more people to advocate for us so that way it won't be such a difficult journey every single time, right? It'll get easier and easier as people move forward and they bring other people along. So it is... I think we're getting better, but there's still a long ways to go. Oh,
1: absolutely. And I'll, I'll just add this piece, guys, really quick. Um, it, it's, it's not going to be easy.
2: It's not.
1: But it's not impossible. It, it's not impossible. And you need individuals in your space that are willing to pull you along and help you get to where you need to get to. Um, we, have a, we have a whole entire room of new friends right now. Think about it. They don't have to be at your organization. They don't have to be in your company. We have cell phones. We have emails. We have Skype. You name it. Right? You can build it right here. You can grow it there. Right? Just think about it from that perspective.
3: Again, as having brothers, I played rugby and fenced in college. So if I could knock you down, I'd stab you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, At the end of the day, when i finish with this game called life i want my jersey and my number to be unrecognizable because i'm gonna get knocked down but guess what i'm not staying down and so that's that's what it takes it gets you're gonna get knocked down it's the only way you learn the lessons of getting up and it's the only way you can be anybody's mentor because if it's all i got perfect performance reviews well what if they say i didn't well i can raise my hands my hand and say all my performance reviews have not been perfect and I survived those people. yes mm-hmm. So I will tell you believe in yourself, yeah. you will get knocked down, anticipate it, and then you get up inch by inch and you stand. That's right. Because at the end of it, the game goes to the person who's standing That's right. in the end zone. Mm-hmm. That's what we are.
7: The ball doing the dance. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be succinct because I know that this is towards the end, but I wanted to piggyback on what you were saying. I was the first black uh, female linesman uh, for the company that I work for. And sometimes you're welcome but not wanted. Mm -hmm. And so you have to say what I told them was I deserve to be here and I'm not going anywhere. And I didn't. And from that, uh, my work ethic intact because your work ethic is not contingent upon how you're treated, but your own personal ideology. And that has to be true for you, not for everybody around you because everybody's got an opinion, but their opinion does not become your reality or Mm -hmm. your fact. So I kept my work ethic in play and I went on to a different department. I got trained for corrosion engineering Mm -hmm. by these same folks. I uh, ended up doing, I do HVAC. I can operate heavy equipment. I've got 34 years on the job. Thank you very kindly. And at the end of the day, there, you know, sometimes, and, and I don't know if we are gonna talk about God on functions like this, but I'm going to go here briefly. Sometimes God puts you in a position because he knows that you can handle it, that your shoulders are broad and you've mm. got that strength. And so he puts you there because he knows you're gonna get the job done and then what you should do is go back to that person that feels that they can't make it that they can't do it and grab them by the hand and tell them if I can do it you can too I got you and you bring that person along the way with you I've had to do that with some of my peers it's like listen there's nothing special about me except for the fact that I don't understand. No, you can't. <laughs> and so I'm going to tell you that if I can do what you can't do, let's go. Yeah. Let's do this. And I love this, this event. I love everybody on this. I love you. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you are just so me when I grow up. <laughs> and, and I just I just have to say that this is well needed. And it doesn't matter what people say you are. is who you believe you are and what you believe you can do. And if you don't believe in yourself, then you surround yourself with positive people that can walk you through those dark days and those times when you think you can't. I know I said I was gonna be succinct. You're fine. I'm in mom mode, I can't (laughs) help it. But I just want to thank uh, each and every one of you for what you said today. And hopefully you guys have lobbyists with your company that can go back and say to these people that want to do cyber security theft of my funds and other people's There, there should be laws in place, criminal laws in pa- place, and penalties that make them think twice. Agreed. And right now, I don't see that, so I wanted to, this was my question. When you get back, can you please tell your lobbyists when they hit Washington mm. to lobby for more stringent penalties yes. as it pertains to cyber theft? Yes. Thank you.
1: Because it is real, and it's coming. Thank you all so very much. We appreciate your time.
0: Thank you for listening to Fintech The Challenge, a professional development seminar featuring IT Product Systems Chief Architect for the Boeing Company, Prem Chaco, Vice President of J.P. Morgan Chase Company, Kim Wilson, and Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer for Fifth Third Bank, Stephanie Smith. If you have enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the Women of Color STEM Conference. For more information on how you, your company, or organization can take part, visit www.womenofcolor.net. For college students, contact us at 410-244-7101.